Welcome to Word First Radio, the podcast of Word First Ministries. Tune in each week and join us as we pursue God's command to make disciples of all nations. What is up, you guys? Welcome to Word First Radio, the podcast brought to you by Word First Ministries. I'm your host, Jacob O'Neill. And as always, I'm joined by my friends Cameron and hey. Bailey. Hey. And we're in Bielsen again, oh, bringing yeah. you a brand new series called Barriers. Bailey, pray us in, man. Yep. God, we just pray that um, in our conversation today, we would, um, and also anyone joining us, um, that we would come to see you and understand you more truly, more clearly, um, and that all the barriers and things that we put up in front of you um, would just begin to be knocked down. So Lord, please be with us in this conversation. Please guide our words um, and fill us with wisdom as we talk. Lord, we love you. We come to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, man. Uh, so why is it called Barriers? Well, I kind of stole it from you, so oh, I appreciate that. You're going to blame it on me, huh? <laughs> That's right. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I didn't think it was that bad. Uh, uh, anyways, so we've talked about... Uh, people who bury other people. Mm. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Those are barriers. You need to clarify the spelling. <laughs> we uh, be a much different series. That's right. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we talked about, uh, I don't know how many episodes ago, it's probably been like 11 episodes ago yeah. or something like that, mm. that uh, you said on a podcast, insofar as there are barriers to people coming to faith, yeah. we want the only barrier to be like their, like the tension, I guess, that they yeah. have with God. Their, yeah, their own heart. Yeah, we don't want to make it any harder for people to uh, accept Jesus. Yeah. And, or, or at least to understand. I think right. the, the idea is, yeah, what are the barriers that are between people and understanding the gospel and we mm. can't we can't really affect their hearts except with our with our witness and by mm. showing them the the love of Jesus lived out but as we're as far insofar as we're not insofar anyways when we're uh, sharing the gospel right the idea is to be as clear as possible and to knock down as many of those barriers as possible that would cause somebody to either misunderstand or reject out of hand the good news. Right. And so we're going to unpack uh, some of the barriers that we have experienced mm-hmm. evangelizing in Norway, yeah. some of the things that we've heard from some uh, our Christian uh, partners out here. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, a lot of these topics uh, I got from LAGA, which was mm-hmm. the um, organization that made that survey that we went yeah. through, I think on episode nine, mm-hmm. but it feels like so long ago. Yeah. Um, and so we're going to unpack some of these topics, and these are real, uh, really important issues mm-hmm. that... Uh, can make it very difficult to yeah. accept the gospel. Well, and this is some of the stuff also that we that we have. Uh, I don't want to discount your guys' own experience, right? So we've been in Norway several times on evangelistic efforts. Yeah, and so this is also some of the stuff that we've run into as we've talked with Norwegians mm-hmm. about uh, the important stuff. You remember when we did that survey? However many episodes ago it was, like that's mm-hmm. what we talked to people mm-hmm. about. And I think this is some of the stuff that uh, that they struggle with that makes it difficult for the gospel even to get to their ears never mm-hmm. mind touch their heart yeah yeah and like the interesting thing with it too is like you guys know the terms and you know all the like textbook um, definitions and everything of these barriers that we're going to talk mm-hmm. about um, but like you run into these um, barriers with people and they have no idea what the yeah. terms are that Christians right. have given right. them um, so yeah, it'll be fun to. That's always TV. the struggle, is mm-hmm. because a lot of people, wh- what they do is when they want to answer these questions, these really important objections, um, ob- yeah, objections. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When they want to answer them, what they do is they go and study the stuff. They read the yeah. textbooks and they learn the terms. But the thing is, is that 
people on the streets don't know these terms. Right. They, they don't. They not everyone you talk to is going to be a philosopher or yeah. has read the mm-hmm. reasonable faith. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, so people we go to the literature, of course, mm-hmm. and the literature has names for things and categories and and like boxes you can put stuff in mm-hmm. and isms and all of that. And most people don't know what they are and aren't interested in isms. So you're exactly. Saying, oh, mm-hmm. most people don't care. That sounds like postmodernism, and they're like, well, what? We'll talk about. It. I'm not going to mm. let the cat out of the hat. Cat out of the hat. Cat out of the bag. Spoiler. Pull the rabbit out of the hat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming. Uh, that sounds like postmodernism. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course. So I appreciate that insight, Bailey. Like, not not everyone goes to the literature and and sees all the neat categories and argumentation. They yeah. just wonder yeah. about these things, and uh, they come right. So everyone everyone comes to the gospel with their own baggage and the things they presuppose about the world and their judgments about the world and and um, our assumptions about the world and things that are important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, you know, then I say academics, but not even necessarily that. Just people like to systemize thought. They come in and build these neat little categories and then start arguing about that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 Absolutely. And then, like, as a Christian who wants to and, like, attempts to share the gospel with people um, and then runs into these barriers, like, it helps me when just, like, we sit around a table and talk about this stuff. Because mm. um, I... The more and more I like understand the literature and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, um, the less when I'm confronted with with one of those barriers when talking to someone, mm-hmm. the less it's like I'm starting from ground zero. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I I know I can identify. Okay, this is the problem of evil they brought mm-hmm. up, or, um, and then like you have a you know a basis to build from yeah. instead of like trying to sift through what they're saying and draw like a whole argument right. from there. Well, and try and mm-hmm. figure the whole thing out on yeah. the fly. Like it's better to have spent some time thinking well about the problem because people people wonder stuff. You know, mm-hmm. like you, you brought it up, Jacob, like we believe some weird stuff. Mm-hmm. We do. And it becomes less weird. It's just like how if you uh, lived in the stinky house, like you never noticed it. <laughs> <laughs> and like eventually the, it, doesn't, it doesn't smell funny to you anymore. Mm-hmm. So the stuff that we believe that's weird that just seems totally, totally normal because we're in it. But to other people, it's it's weird. They don't know how to make sense of that. And so, if you combine that thing with uh, with the gospel, so you say, "Well, here's the gospel." Like, well, that even makes less sense. Mm-hmm. And so, I think the hope is always to be able to um, help people to make sense and understand. Like, I mm-hmm. I want to make sure that you understand the gospel. Mm-hmm. And if you reject it, that's I mean that that whole thing is about your relationship with God, right? Um, but at least don't want it to be because you misunderstand. Yeah. Absolutely. And so uh, I'm looking forward to unpacking these topics mm. with you guys uh, in a way. So if anyone uh, who is watching has found yourself kind of in that situation, like you're evangelizing to someone and mm. um, you haven't yet read the literature, uh, I'd encourage you to read the literature after you listen to uh, the series. So yeah. let's, get, let's jump into uh, one of the ones that I know... Uh, resonates with you really mm-hmm. well. One of the ones that we're really familiar with, mm-hmm. um, at least from where we come from, is this kind of issue of science and yeah. faith. Yeah. Um, so this, this kind of conception um, that people have, I've, I hear it all the time, mm-hmm. that science and Christianity are at odds with each other. Yeah. That mm-hmm. you either believe in God or you believe in science. Yeah. Uh, what do we think about that? Do we think, uh, what, where did that come from? Gosh, where it came from, I don't know, but I see no good reason to yeah. believe it. And mm. smart people have written have written books about it, and mm-hmm. they're just uh, forgive me because I don't mean to be flippant, but it's just nonsense. There, mm. There's just no reason. I see no good reason to think about the world that way. I remember listening to John Lennox, who's a brilliant Christian thinker. He's a philosopher mm. and scientist and mathematician, 
just a wonderful, brilliant man. But he makes the point, something like 50% of Nobel Prize winners in the sciences are sincere believers in God. Mm. So he's like, I think it would be it would be news to them that you have to stop believing in God if you want to do science well. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the issue... Um, about whether or not whether or not you believe in God just isn't doesn't seem to be straightforwardly a scientific one because um, because there are the 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 sort of the the top scientists who've ever been lots of them were sincere religious believers and lots of them were sincere uh, sincere atheists and lots are somewhere in between yeah um, but that that's to, that's to show kind of that the problem isn't what you believe about science the problem is what you're what you're believing about other stuff. Mm. That's good, but so what about this kind of like? I'm going to bring up an ism. Yes, <laughs> but, it's hard not so, to. Yeah, no, I mean, well, but let's unpack it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, uh, uh, so that we can evangelize in English. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's this kind of idea called scientism. Yeah, that seems to kind of be this uh, very popular mm-hmm. th- these days, especially like well on social media when you yeah. talk to anyone about uh, science and faith. What is scientism, since you're a real philosopher? Yeah, oh my gosh, <laughs> please don't accuse me of that. Because um, uh, there are real philosophers. In there. Anyways, yeah. uh, so scientism, no one's, well not nobody, but very few people just say yes, scientist. No, you, you can't, a person, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm uh, stammering because what do you call someone who affirms scientism? It's not a scientist, like that's a different sure. thing. But yeah. anyways, very few people say I affirm scientism. <laughs> But but nevertheless, it's something that is thoroughly widespread. And the idea is something like, well, no, if you want information about the reality, right? If you want to know truth about the world, go look to the scientists. And that's just absolutely true. I mean, that's that's who has um, the authority in in our culture and across the world. By and large, are the guys in the white coats, mm-hmm. right? If when the scientist speaks, you listen mm-hmm. and you say, okay, so the science. And, and um, we've we've spent two years or something going uh, going through this whole the whole COVID thing, right? And we keep mm-hmm. hearing about people who I believe the science, you're rejecting the science, and there's the science, and science says, and science, and the science, science, science. But yeah. science is the thing we're supposed to listen to. It will give us truth about the world. Mm-hmm. And there there's a there are degrees of believing that. So on the very extreme end, somebody might say, and people do say something like the only way to get valid information about the world is by means of science whatever they mean by science and most people haven't thought very deeply about that but whatever they mean by science that's the only way to get good information and truth about the world um and that's that can't be true because it's straightforwardly self-defeating right Mm -hmm. yeah so the only way to get good information about the the world the only way to get at truth is by science you go okay can i prove that scientifically (laughs) <laughs> and you and you can't, right? And so that statement itself is a statement of. It's in fact, it's a statement of philosophy, and it's a really bad statement of really bad philosophy. The kind of thing that that wouldn't that wouldn't get you very far. And in fact, it's there's a related philosophy called logical positivism mm. that was popular among intelligentsia for a while, and then just got destroyed in the 20th century because it's self defeating. So that's the, that's on the strong side. The one end of scientism a little bit weaker you might call something like weak scientism that doesn't say science is the only access we have to truth but it really is the best access we have to truth so Hmm. if it's not in the sciences you can more or less dismiss it or if there's no scientific foundation you don't really need to take it seriously and maybe there are some other ancillary things we can find out about the world by means of other ways of investigation but 
but uh, science is the best. That's mm-hmm. how we get the best truth. And the, the, the problem with that is, well, there are lots of problems with that, but among them, uh, I can think of a couple of things. And I'd like to shout out to my, one of my heroes, J.P. Moreland, who talks, mm-hmm. if, you want to, if you want to know more, just YouTube, J.P. Moreland, Scientism, you'll get tons of stuff. Yeah. And he's a brilliant genius. He has a great book on it. Yeah. That's not very long. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's amazing. Yeah. Um, but there are at least two problems. One of them is, there are things that we know with much better justification than we get for any for anything or at least most things in science. So there, for example, JP makes a claim that there that there are ethical claims, ethical truths that we know and have much better rational support for than scientific truths. And is, do I have time for to give a quick example? Uh, yes. So, yeah. Okay. Go for it. So one example might be the ethical claim that it's wrong to torture babies. Right, and you guys, I, I make <laughs> that's a very extreme example. Yes, yes. Mm. Well, yeah. I use baby torturing all the time when we talk about ethical claims yeah. because it's so obviously wrong. Right, mm. um, so it's the case that we know that it's wrong to torture babies, um, but we also know, and uh, science has delivered to us knowledge about the existence of the electron. Mm. Well, most people don't have any idea how to know that electrons exist or what they are, that they're real. And now that we have, uh, now that we have quantum mechanics, yeah. they they seem to not make make sense and do really weird things. Um, but the electron hasn't been one thing. There have been several ideas about what the electron is. And yeah. You have wave theorists and you have particle theorists. And, and uh, so anyways, you have all these different conceptions of the electron that have changed a whole lot in the last 100 years, especially the last 50 years. Mm-hmm. And so you can imagine, it's at least possible, in the next 50 years we're going to, we, I don't take any credit, but the scientists, the smart guys who are doing the hard work, mm-hmm. will discover new things that will change our conception of the electron. That's, mm. that's conceivable. It's happened a lot in the last 50 right. years. It is inconceivable that in the next 50 years we're going to learn more things that will turn over it's wrong to torture babies. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing new that we could even possibly yeah. learn that would, that would make us less justified in, in believing that. So there's, mm-hmm. there's one problem. that we, There are at least ethical, non-scientific claims that we can know with greater certainty and more rational, uh, <coughs> and more rational support than, uh, than some scientific ones. And the second one is it's, it tends to be not self-defeating, but at least self-undermining mm-hmm. um, in the sense that even the weaker form of, of scientism relies on non-scientific presuppositions. Yeah. And science can't be stronger than the presuppositions that it rests on. And even that kind of scientism, like, it has no tools to assess the presuppositions underneath. So things like the world is going to be the same tomorrow as it was today and what kinds of things affect experimentation, right? So, mm-hmm. so you might, uh, you know, scientist is running an experiment and no one runs in and says, wait a minute, what color undies are you wearing? Because that might affect what you're mixing in the test tubes. Mm-hmm. Right? He goes, no, 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 my color of my undies has nothing to do with, with, this, with whatever experiment I'm doing. Well, how do you know? You sort of have to, I mean, maybe you have good reasons to believe it, but it's sort of an assumption. But there's no real... That's maybe a bad example for my point, but there's uh, the point is that there are these assumptions about the world that you can't test scientifically, mm, sure. and you really have no no tools to evaluate given your mm-hmm. own your own sense of the value of science or or its um, necessity for getting at truth, and so therefore it kind of undermines itself. It just gives you no no good reason to believe it. So there are no good reasons really to believe it, and there are really good reasons to disbelieve it mm-hmm. because at least we have some non scientific claims that offer much more in the way of rational support than, than uh, most, maybe not most, but at least some important scientific yeah. claims. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really curious. Uh, so I want to know, of course, maybe any thoughts you have on mm-hmm. everything Cam just said. That was mm-hmm. wonderful. Thank you. But um, you actually, uh, at some point, uh, went to college to, be like, to study physics, mm-hmm. right? 
And so, uh, what do you think? What do you think, kind of, about that first issue with scientism that Cam addressed? Was that there are fundamental issues in life and fundamental questions about life that science just can't address. It just can't. It just has nothing to say about it. Mm-hmm. These are really important questions. I have a couple examples that we can brainstorm about. But what do you think about that? Yeah. Uh, so now my thoughts are a lot different than they were <laughs> when I was a guy going to college to be a physicist. <laughs> I hope so. Um, like I always say. Um, that I was a really bad atheist or a really mm-hmm. bad scientist or whatever that I wanted to be back then. Yeah. Um, and it's like, oh gosh, it's tough not to sound like arrogant saying it, mm-hmm. but like, um, I don't, I was just so foolish and like all of my, um, beliefs and like reasoning behind like, cause I was totally one of the, um, what you were describing, like, um, science and God just can't, mm-hmm. um, be meshed together like science conflicts with God um, and I don't know just like the God stuff is Santa Claus stuff yeah, yeah. and science stuff is you're working with real things we're right. talking we're dealing in reality here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I really just like treated it at that level um, back then and nowadays like I hear what you're saying mm-hmm. and I'm like it's obviously foolishness. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I I can't even um try to reason for like a defensive mm-hmm. why um mm-hmm. science and the tools of science can even be used as an attempt to make sense yeah. of things like morality and just the real things that like constitute the world. Mm-hmm. Um so today I think it's like rubbish <laughs> and, <laughs> and yeah. foolish but um Back then, it was like um, I think it just um, caught on because it's when you're like raised in a secular setting, and, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't like my parents shielded mm-hmm. us from um, any sort of religion or faith. Sure, it was just we only I don't know dealt in terms of what's physical and mm-hmm. um, like yeah. So um, I don't know. It, it's really tough to. Describe. Well, it's, it, it's, yeah. what, what, you're, what I'm kind of hearing is it's like now that you've come to Christ, it's yeah. like it's, the scales have fallen off your eyes, and you're like, oh, of course, can't even, science can't explain yeah. everything. Like, yeah. so I have a couple examples here. So I think science cannot answer the purpose of mm-hmm. life, what happens when we die, mm-hmm. where do we come from ultimately? It probably in a scientific sense, it can explain mm-hmm. how babies are made, right? Um, <laughs> how I should love my neighbor yeah. is one example. So one of the examples I used, I was talking with um, our world religions uh, teacher, mm-hmm. Temeskin, we love you, Temeskin, um, that the example I always use is science can teach you how to create nuclear bombs. Mm-hmm. Science cannot tell you whether or not you should drop them. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, well, there, yeah. So we've we've run into that here, not nuclear bombs, of course. But um, I think, <laughs> gosh, yeah. I think as I talk to people, there's this there's this idea that uh, I'm going to get back to exactly what you said. I promise. I'm okay. just going to start a little bit to the left and come back. No, sure. Um, but the idea is like religion is how people used to try and explain the world, mm-hmm. and as humanity advances intellectually. Uh, and people necessarily we don't get smarter, but we learn from our previous generations. So as we understand more about the world, um, the the God theories go away, and the natural ones because we because we understand how the world works. So thunder isn't God bowling, right, right. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there, but that and people have told us something like that. It's like we we just we know how the world works now, yeah, right. So religion, if you want that, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But we just know that that's not that's not a part of the world. 
And there's a, again, there's a problem with that. And the first one is that's just not how humanity has proceeded. That's just a fault. Like there's no historian of science who would tell you that that has, that's been the, that's been the march of human, uh, of human sort of academic, um, investigation is, well, we used to blame everything on gods and now we yeah. know science. Of course there's some of that. Well, one of the ways that yeah. people put it, I've heard this several times, mm-hmm. is that as our knowledge of science grows bigger, yeah. the need for God or yeah. the perceived need of God gets mm-hmm. smaller and right. smaller. And that's just, that's it's, completely wrong-headed. That's right. not, that's not what's happening at all. And in fact, if you read the scriptures, there's there's really nothing in there that says, well, let me explain why the world is the way that... The, let me explain thunder, yeah. right? God bowling. It's like, no, no, no. It tells you about who God... The, first of all, the Bible presupposes the existence of God. And then it tells us how he wants to relate to us. And there's some uh, there's some content in the pages of scriptures that interacts with the natural world and where it came from. It has, right. And and we can, we can use some... Uh, we can marshal some sci- uh, scientific approach to understand whether that stuff is true. And that's really interesting. But nevertheless, this idea that yeah, as science, our scientific knowledge grows, the need for God shrinks is just is just nonsense. That's mm-hmm. not that's never how it. I'm like, you should say that to Aristotle, right? So Aristotle <laughs> kind of plants the seeds of science, and then we we start to really fill out a scientific call it a scientific method. I don't like referring to it as that because there is no scientific method. If you're listening to this, you're going to think that I'm full of it, but it just it's true. Study some philosophy of science. There is no the scientific method. Mm. Whatever it is, it, it, it's more of a like science it's one of those things more like you know it when you see it than being able to define <laughs> it at the outset and understand is this science that I'm doing. But mm. anyways, we can use the the tools of science to look at the world and uh, gosh, I just forgot. Oh, so if you told Aristotle, right, that mm-hmm. what you, that you're just you have this religious view of the world, and you're replacing as you learn about science, you replace your the religious superstition. That's nonsense. And then, uh, sort of in modern time, by the way, like in the cradle of like in the cradle, that's in like the incubator of the church, yeah. science came to life. Um, what we what we might refer to as modern science or, or seems like modern science, but there's a lot of those people were religious believers, and it just it never occurred to them. People were very very smart, by the way. It never occurred to them that what they were doing was <laughs> replacing the need mm-hmm. for God with mechanisms, and that's yeah. I think the mistake that that makes. I promise I'm going to get back to the thing we we're talking about. That's fine. But the mistake that that makes is it is it confuses mechanism and agency. So so John Lennox, a fellow I was talking about before, he uses mm-hmm. an example where you might uh, you might ask why is the tea kettle boiling, and you could give a really interesting physical scientific answer about mm-hmm. the move the motion of particles and the transfer of energy and and the the flow of energy from high energy density to low energy density. And you give a really inter- and then what happens to water and how you break. Uh, I think this is hydrogen bonds with water. Anyways, you break the bonds between water molecules and it turns into water vapor, and therefore it expands uh, very many times. And blah 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 blah. Right? You could give a really great, and, mm. and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So, so don't hear us for one second saying, "Eh, science doesn't tell you stuff." Mm. Religion, sure. something like that. Like, no, no, no. Science is wonderful, but it can you can it can offer you this kind of explanation. Mm. So, why is the tea kettle boiling? You could give a wonderful, beautiful physical explanation that you like. You could boil down to like an equation on a page mm-hmm. that's genius. Mm-hmm. Or you could say, oh, because I wanted to make some tea. And, and having one answer doesn't replace the other. I can't <laughs> say, well, no, all that physical scientific stuff you just wrote is nonsense. The answer mm-hmm. is I wanted tea. And you can't say, well, no, I reject your explanation that you wanted tea. The explanation is, can be derived from these <laughs> equations. You go, no, 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 no. That's, that's funny. And so I had that, that same realization. My wife and I... <laughs> We were visiting New York City, and we were in, we were walking up inside the Statue of Liberty, 
And there's lots of, like, it's, a, it's an engineering masterpiece. It's really beautiful and wonderful. And all of the upgrades and repairs and things they've done over the years in order mm-hmm. to keep it standing and it have been really amazing, too. And so as you're walking up the stairs and inside this thing, there are little plaques and signs telling you about the kinds of things they've done inside the Statue of Liberty. And that's kind of when it struck me. I just kind of went, huh. Like, I can know all of this stuff. And it would be silly for me to know everything about the design and implementation and engineering and whatever to make the and say no but therefore nobody designed it mm-hmm. like we have no need of a designer anymore we don't yeah. have to understand we don't have to understand why it exists we can just uh, we can just explain um, we can explain all of these how questions and if you <laughs> if you add up all of the hows that you get a why and you go no no there's there's room in the world for both of those explanations yeah. and i think you you make that category error when you when you expect that science can answer every question and mm-hmm. it can't so the profound thing, Jacob, about the questions that you presented us with are those are the ones that you start thinking about before you're ever even really doing science. Where did right. I come from? Where am, where am I going? What if anything happens when I die? Why am I here and should I remain here? Like, that kind of stuff. And someone has put it like that's, that's how you can tell the limits of science is it can't answer the questions that five-year-olds have. Mm. Well, can I? Uh, how about I throw this and yeah. play advocate okay. for a second? <laughs> for the devil. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> Um, John Lennox had a debate uh, with a gentleman named Peter Atkins. Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, if a picture says a thousand words, yeah. your facial I'm not impressed does. by Peter Atkins' philosoph- well, philosophical acumen. It's really bad. Genius well, scientist, <clears throat> terrible philosopher. Sorry, Peter. Yeah, you, need re- sorry. you need to repent and yeah. put your faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. in, in, during the debate, Peter says, uh, faith answers stupid questions. And science answers real questions. And so (laughs) I think what he's getting at, and something I want to throw in both your guys' laps, Mm. actually, is that, okay, so why questions exist? Like, where Mm. did I come from? What's what's the purpose? But those are like... Uh, stupid questions. Mm. So it's kind of like I heard Richard Dawkins say this as well. I just mentioned two people from the new atheist yeah. movement, which yeah. uh, has a lot of vitriol and uh, uh, is very uh, you know on that scientism kind of bandwagon. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Richard Dawkins said one time in a lecture, he's like, "It's a ma- it's like looking at a mountain and asking why is that mountain there? Mm-hmm. That's a dumb question." <laughs> so Christians, oh, oh my god. <laughs> Oh, you got me all wound up now. Well, how about we let Bailey go first, if, okay. if you don't mind? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I'm just going to stay all tense over here. So, all right, Christian, why questions are just stupid questions? How would you answer that? <laughs> what do you um, think about that? Yeah, the first thing it makes me think of is like, um, there you can probably find five guys who spend their lives like struggling with the question of like, um, I don't know, how did the what what are the stars doing out there? Or like questions like, mm-hmm. um, water's boiling. Like I need to figure out what that process is, what's happening mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So there are like a handful of people who spend their whole lives like just uh, burdened by that question until they find the answer. Mm-hmm. But like the questions that you posed, um, uh, what happens after death, oh, those kind of questions like, Every single human being mm. is confronted with those questions. If they're honest, then mm, right. every single human being wonders, "Where did I come from? Do like, is there a purpose to? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm here. I exist. Like, is there a purpose to this? How did I get here? Um, where do I go when existence, as I know it, stops? Mm-hmm. Um, like those kinds of questions, and even like the um, moral behaviors, like." Um, 
torturing babies and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. we're troubled by those things. And like, if you're not, then uh, we, uh, we know you're broken, right? You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or we have a medical term for you. Like mm-hmm. if you're not troubled by those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, so there's just like, there's an unavoidable burden. Mm-hmm. And if you say those are stupid questions, like I would just point at that and say, can you really tell me like, that those questions, what happens when you're dead, you don't, can you really tell me you don't mm-hmm. get asked that question by every single person in your life and mm-hmm. that you haven't considered that question yourself? But how many people can you tell me are burdened by the question of where do atoms come from? Yeah. Do atoms What's a complete mm-hmm. physical explanation yeah. for the boiling of the water? Well, so, yeah, that would be kind of like to be a jerk. <laughs> I would just be like, well, if you're saying that those scientific yeah. questions are the real important ones, like, no, they're not. Yeah, like, they're just wrong. Stop, yeah. Yeah. stop lying. <laughs> they're not. Well, I think to your point, I think if you ask the question like, "What's the purpose of my life?" Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a stupid question because the answer to that question has significant implications mm-hmm. right. for how you live your life. Right. So, if you think that we live in a purposeless, creatorless universe, and that we are simply that you can simply explain uh, us in merely physical terms. Right. There were, there, the universe is a chemical reaction, yeah. right? and mm. so is your life and all of your desires. Yeah, then it doesn't matter if you love your neighbor mm-hmm. or torture him for fun, yeah. is what I've heard. Dr. David Wood talks yeah. about that when he shares his testimony. So right. he's very public about the fact that he medically in his brain struggles with uh, psychopathy. He is, mm-hmm. a, he is a diagnosed psychopath. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, I was an atheist and I never really understood why some atheists decided to love their neighbor mm-hmm. because I figured, well, if we're merely physical, if mm-hmm. there is no purpose to life, then uh, it doesn't matter if you love your neighbor or torture him for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that is not an unimportant question. Mm-hmm. That is not a stupid question. Right. It matters. Yeah. It matters what you believe about where you came from mm-hmm. and why mm-hmm. you're here. Well, and, okay. So I've got a few things I'm going to say to, <laughs> yeah. to Peter Atkins because I, he's for sure going to see this. First one is so. First, just I just reject like when you say, well, science asks important questions. Mm-hmm. I just go, Man, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. So think about all the money that humanity has spent. Sending a robot to Mars to find out what its dirt is like. That doesn't affect how I live at all. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I, the, I sure. understand that, that there are people who, who think that, who, there are people for whom that is important. But for almost everybody, in fact, for them too, it really doesn't make a difference mm-hmm. in as far as how a significant difference in the way that you live. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, there are people who are hugely driven and our ta- tax money is taken from us to fund these kinds of projects. That's right. right. So it's important enough that we say this is part of the public good and everyone has to pitch in so that we can put humans on the moon. Mm-hmm. What, who, what? Why? Well, so they can bring some rocks and dirt home. We have, right? we have rocks and dirt. Mm-hmm. What does that matter? That's, I don't mean to belittle what those things are, but to say that that's an important question, but why am I here and how, do I, how should I treat people and how do I know that those are... The, that those are um, Unimportant and foolish questions. That's right. just a stupid thing to say. That's well, just that, that's such a dumb and arrogant thing to say. Secondly, I would say, then why are you doing science? <laughs> right? so he goes, science asks the important questions. I go, okay. Yeah. Well, why are you doing it? Right. What's the scientific uh, journal that publishes why we do science? Right. So yeah. not only is it self defeating, but secondly, he would tell you something about because it's meaningful and it's the purpose of his life. Right. He's mm. going to he's going to say because yeah. it an- there are these foolish questions. But I do science. You go, why do you do science? And it's going to be an answer to one of these foolish questions. Mm. So 
so that that's uh, it's just nonsensical to say. And then finally, oh, not finally, but the finally for me for now is there's this reductionist view of the world. So I, I said a few minutes ago, I talked about if you can add up all the how questions, like it adds up to a why, and it yeah, doesn't. It doesn't. So what you do is you you um, you reject what they call teleology, that anything has a purpose or a design, mm, yeah. and you reject that in the sciences, and you say, listen, every why question is actually a how question in disguise. When you say something like, why is the sun hot? You're really asking, how is the sun hot? And you can answer that. Mm -hmm. Or why does the heart beat? Uh, You can answer how the heart beats, but not really why. But here's Mm -hmm. what nonsense that 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 reduces to, is you, and I mean this literally, this is not a caricature or whatever, this is literally and truly what people say and believe, and you can see what a cost it is, is when you say, if I say, why does the heart beat? If you take that line that science or that the only legitimate questions in the world are how questions, which by the way, how could you know that? That's a philosophical. That's a philosophical question, not a scientific <laughs> yes. one. You a, that, <laughs> I love it. The only questions in the world are how questions. Then the heart, the purpose of the heart, the heart has no purpose. And you say, why does the heart beat? You can't say in order to pump blood to all the places that the heart pumps blood to. That's an illegitimate answer. The only answer you can give is a a mechanical answer about how the heart beats. There is no why. And you go, wait a minute, there really seems to be a why here. Because you you move the problem back a step, right? So you can Mm -hmm. tell me, I say, why does the heart beat? And then you give me an answer in terms of pressure and electrical impulse and, (laughs) and, uh, and, and rhythm and all of that really interesting answer but no part of the answer is in order to get blood to the other parts of to the parts of the body that need it and so you go okay well, I, I get that but why does it do that and then for someone to go why is actually a stupid question mm-hmm. we're only interested in how questions and you go that's the, the I mean, like we recognize it in every other area of our life right if i say if we're in a crime scene and you ask the detective why did why did he murder that guy? Mm-hmm. And he goes, "Well, we've got some blood analysis over here, yeah. and here's with the we've got some DNA results, and, and this is what skin prints. tissue does when right. knives are stabbed into <laughs> right. it. Right. Yeah. And here's what the bullet looks like, and here you, here's how you can tell which gun it was fired from. This one, it turns out, and you go, that's really interesting. Why did he kill him? And mm-hmm. he goes, well, why is actually a stupid question. Yeah. No, actually, it turns out the law is really concerned with why. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> the law is really, con- and the reason the law is really concerned with why is because that is maybe the majority of our human experience. If why is a stupid question, then science is a stupid enterprise mm-hmm. because there's no reason to do it. You say, <sighs> That's good. We're going to go answer all of the how questions. You go, why are you going to go answer all of the how questions? Well, because they're the important yeah. ones. <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> okay. How, well, how do you know that? Like, false. And then how do you know that thing? It's just a, it is a basket of nonsense. Mm-hmm. That's such a good, I want to, did you take that from anywhere that if why is a stupid question, then science is a stupid enterprise? Uh, well, as you far just, as I know, I just invented that, but I'm sure I got it from. If you, if you think it's smart, I'm sure it's not mine. Well, I want to like sell merch with that, <laughs> like because that, that is that is so good. And I think the uh, we've 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 kind of been riffing a lot on that. Um, I think the other side of the horse mm-hmm. is to say that like, well, science isn't important. I have mm-hmm. everything I need just from. Uh, faith, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and so uh, this kind of this kind of moves into one of the things we definitely want to talk about. Science is important because of the Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. Right. It's because uh, the why questions have answers. Is mm-hmm. why science is important. Yeah. So historically speaking, Christianity is no stranger to science. No, right? no, not in the slightest. <laughs> and in fact, almost universally, historians of science will tell you that it's because science was. 
incubated inside a Christian worldview and and inside the university, which is a Christian institution, mm-hmm. and inside the church for all of her foibles and mistakes. Like because science was incubated and hatched inside a Christian worldview, that's why we have it, and that's why it's such a robust. Um, uh, such a robust toolbox for investigating the world. And there's this, like, so we have the Dark Ages, right? The Middle Ages or Medieval Period, whatever they call the Dark Ages. And people think it's called the Dark Ages because we didn't learn anything then. It's like humanity was making progress, then the Dark Ages happened, and then science emerged. And that's just false. Right. You, if, if that's what you believe, then, you, then frankly, you're ignorant of history. That's not at all what was happening. And it was actually the, the Middle Ages and the so-called Dark Ages where science was beginning to develop, to develop on the back of really, really, really robust and exciting and interesting philosophy. And that's why until recently, the science, uh, all the sciences have been called the natural philosophies. Mm. And I think it's, you know, you asked earlier, why has it become this way? Frankly, I think it's because, one of the reasons is because scientists have stopped studying philosophy. So when I, when I was studying in graduate school, uh, I, was, I was very close to doing a PhD in philosophy of science. That was the area yeah. that I most wanted to study. And my wife is a science, uh, science teacher, a really, really good one. And I love uh, uh, of science. My mentor in high school, Ritter, what's up, uh, <laughs> is a scientist. Like, I, I love it. What's happened is scientists have stopped doing philosophy and they, so they don't understand what's underneath what's underneath the science that, that they talk about. And it can be frustrating for people who have thought well about these things. So, um, so they offer opinions about science and about what it's able to do and what it's not able to do. Or you know, the, they say things like, you know, the questions worth answering are the kinds you can investigate scientifically. Well, they, they just haven't thought hard about the, about the science. So it was in a philosophy of science class. I had a, a friend in, in my class, and her bachelor's degree, I think it was in biomedical engineering, and she was going to pursue a master's degree in the same field, but she stopped and did a different master's degree. And one of her courses was with me in philosophy of science. And every class period, she was just blown away. She was like, I learned none of this as an undergraduate. And every undergraduate science student needs to take philosophy mm. of science. Mm. And the same thing happened with Ritter, who I talked about. We opened up a book um, about, well, it's, it's a it's called Christianity and the Nature of Science, another J.P. Moreland book. But it starts with the scientific method. Okay, what is the scientific method? And he told me, he's like, and what J.P. does is he says, here's one, def- one description of the scientific method, and here's why that doesn't work. And here's another description of the scientific method, mm-hmm. and here's why that doesn't work. And he goes, I found myself every page going, and he's been teaching science for 30 some odd years. Yeah. And he, he goes, I open the page and go, yeah, that's what the scientific method is. And then J.P. destroys it and says, that, <laughs> that can't be right. Oh gosh, okay. Let's look at this other one. Okay, yeah, this other one corrects the problems that were destroyed. No, it. Oh man. And he mm. goes, I've never thought about that stuff. I've been teaching science all this time, and so he's an expert. Not only is he a scientist, but he's an expert in teaching science. Who's never had the? Who's never? Um, never is not fair to say, but hasn't been exposed to the material that might make you sure might, that would help you to understand what science is doing and why I think it's a good way of getting information, true information about the world. Yeah, well, very few people have. And yeah. So it's not uh, unfair at all to say that. I think it's, there's a saying that goes that uh, science is a slave to philosophy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and for those reasons that I think you really articulated. Mm. Uh, I'm really curious, Bailey, uh, on any of your thoughts on anything that mm. Cam said as well, but I also kind of want to put this in your lap. Do you find that now, now that you've come to faith, the scales have fallen off and now you kind of <laughs> see the foolishness of the past, do you have more appreciation for the discipline of science now that you know Jesus than before? Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Yeah, uh, 
Yeah, one million thousand percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Now I recognize like the um, the reason for science, like you were saying, um, in the first place, like is founded in uh, like us knowing God exists mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, He created the world. Because it's like um, Whitney talks about um, how she loves to go on walks mm-hmm. and just like she some of the most um, like close moments she has with God mm-hmm. are just when she sees creation. Right. And like for her, she, you know, is a legit scientist. So mm-hmm. she knows a ton of the details behind when she sees a star. Like I'm, I'm a pathetic little pop, <laughs> pop atheist, pop scientist. Yeah. So I see a star and I'm like, whoa, that thing moves. And inertia is a word that instant <laughs> like, I have a few like really low level words that I can tie to it, but she has tons of understanding. Yeah. Um, so it just like it's a tool in our like spirituality with God mm-hmm. to like help us appreciate and understand um, or like so when I consider the question of like why do all the planets and everything that's not earth why does all mm-hmm. that exist mm-hmm. um, tons of people would say like well there have to be aliens or there has to be something yeah. out there yeah and for me like now as a Christian who has a little bit of science in his pocket um I see that and I just like the obvious answer in my mind is God just wants to tell us who he is. Mm-hmm. Like um it's not that he wanted to make tons of planets with tons of different species or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um like the heavens and the how unfathomable the size of the universe is mm-hmm. um is simply there for us to understand that God is beyond us. Mm-hmm. And just to have that as a constant witness to us like mm-hmm. look up and wow, I'm tiny. This guy's giant, and mm. like I can know the character of God um, simply by examining creation. So I think, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, science ought to be a tool that we have in our spirituality to help us mm-hmm. appreciate and love God more. Yeah. Um, and also a defense. Like we should yeah. be able to use science as a defense or an apologetic for yeah. God. If science um, tells us true things about the world, yeah, then it's only helping us discover more about God. Mm. So I think I'm gonna, I'll interrupt you real quick. I'm sorry, I've already done that. But what I want to say to my to my Christian brothers and sisters is: do not be afraid of science. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's a gift from God. It is a marvel and achievement in human thought. It's amazing. I think we should uh, I think we should use it until the wheels fall mm-hmm. off. Right? Absolutely, make use of science. But don't make the mistakes about applying science to things that it can't do. I mean, mm-hmm. that's like that's like asking how long is a gallon. It's like you're just a ruler is the wrong tool. You, you're, do, you're doing the wrong thing, right? So mm-hmm. so don't don't try and torture science or try or either make the mistake of trying to apply science to things that it that it can't that it can't look at, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. And then don't make the mistake of saying that because science doesn't see it, it doesn't exist or it isn't important. Mm-hmm. Because science doesn't answer those simple childlike questions yeah. that, you, that you brought up earlier. Why am I here? What am, where are we going? What am I doing? What, does this matter at all? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just to like, tie that to your question a little bit earlier, um, like where does uh, Christianity and science, like, did those two just recently start to... Yeah. Co- Collaborate or um, so a couple of verses. Ooh, um, Jeremiah ten twelve says, "It is He who made the earth by His power, who established the world by His wisdom, and by His understanding stretched out the heavens." Mm-hmm. Job thirty eight says, "Where were you when I laid the mm-hmm. foundation yep. of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. 
who determined its measurements. And there are like tons of verses where you can find for the person who's trying to say that God and science are separate. Like yeah. it's a really confusing thing where the Bible, mm-hmm. for some reason, blames God's wisdom or God's mm-hmm. smarts or God's understanding. Uh, like it says that that's linked to Him creating the yeah. earth. So like Christianity, just in the book that we read mm-hmm. um, from the start, has linked God creating and therefore like science mm-hmm. and how things work, the like blueprints mm-hmm. of the kingdom. Um, are linked to God's wisdom and like the Bible puts forth not just a God who's a creator, mm-hmm. but it puts forth a God who's a designer yeah. and like mm-hmm. has intention and mastery and technique and skills mm-hmm. and like he designs with right. intention and with thought behind it. Mm-hmm. I think John Lennox comments on um, this kind of idea when he John Lennox makes a note of when God commanded Adam to name the animals. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that he puts it is God invents taxonomy yeah. right there, <laughs> yeah. and I mean uh, it's true as far as it goes. But yeah. I think, mm-hmm. but the idea that God is not afraid of us studying his creation. No, and mm-hmm. Christians like, should not be either. I'm going to I'm going to say yeah. that so many times. Christians mm-hmm. should not be either. Go study I, God's creation. I like this verse. Those are those were wonderful. In fact, as he was talking, my mind immediately went to Job mm-hmm. and and God's rebuke of Job. Yeah. This is one I found the other day. Um from Psalm uh, 111 verse 2. Great are the works of the Lord. They are studied mm-hmm. by all who delight in them, mm, mm. in God's works. And so God gave us a world to go investigate and study yeah. and learn. And it's like I, in science class, and biology is the one that uh, resonates the most with me. Yeah. When I'm like, do you know how complicated mm-hmm. all of the mm. trillion of cells that are in CAM right now yeah. are? It's like how complex, intelligent, and it, it's literally amazing. Yeah. It's literally engineered. And it doesn't so matter incredible. how small you get. So you see right. a cell and you go, whoa, that's crazy. Zoom in as far as you want. Yeah. It doesn't matter how far you zoom in, it gets more and more amazing. So like, uh, I know a scientist who... All, he studies uh, metabolic pathways. Mm. So he zooms way into the cell just to see how energy goes across this one kind of circuit. And it's incredible. It's got, it's got error correction and it's got, it's got efficiency <laughs> built in. Mm. And you can see, like, so you can, you can suss out design in, in a, in a, energy pathway and he goes it's there in fact it's more efficient than what humans tend to design mm-hmm. and, so, and then you zoom into that thing and at, what do so, you know god's better right and, that, <laughs> yeah. and that's just to say that's true at every scale mm. right you zoom out to the universe and you look at the thing you go whoa like look how this if you look look at it like a machine like look at that look at how it works and it doesn't matter how far you zoom in it's amazing at no mm-hmm. point does it just become I mean, you, you zoom into the atom, right? There's no point where it's just stuff running into stuff. Mm. At every point, it's absolutely divine. I, yeah. One of the uh, things in uh, science class uh, mm. back in high school um, mm. that uh, really struck me when we were saying it was chemistry. Mm-hmm. And I never really, it was in high school, and how could I? I'd never really studied chemistry before, mm-hmm. so I was excited to, to do that. We were talking about how atoms and the core of an atom are protons and neutrons. Mm-hmm. And the science teacher, science teacher was like, what are protons? And I'm like, okay, well, they're positive, like, energy. And they're like, doesn't positive energy repel each other? Like, mm-hmm. you need positive and negative, like, in a magnet, right, mm-hmm. for them to stick? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right, it does. So what holds it together? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, 
I don't know what does hold it together, and he's like, "Well, the name for it is called strong nuclear force." <laughs> <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> really? Yeah. So the name for it is literally just strong force. It's just yeah. a really strong force that holds it together, well, yeah. and there's no real explanation for it. I no, don't I mean, think. Yeah. There, well, I think there is. We just haven't discovered what it is. Yeah. So that we know there. I mean, there's no explanation for so much of it. Well, no explanation yet. But the more we learn, so mm-hmm. and it's, you, okay. So where does that force come from? You go well. The, you have positive things and other positive things. When you get them close to each other, they do this. And you go, yeah, why? Yeah. <laughs> and go, we don't ask why questions. We ask how questions. <laughs> and you call it the you call it magnetic force or whatever. And, and uh, of course, we get closer and closer and closer to answers. What's funny is the same people who promote this sort of scientific view of the world, where they say, they go, listen, your God hypothesis is just a stand-in for I don't know. Mm. And as we learn more, we have fewer of these I don't knows, right? As we know, you can throw these I don't knows away. But in science, (laughs) we are not so arrogant. We're humble enough just to go, I don't know, but it's really interesting, and I'm going to go find out. And then you hear about the strong nuclear force, and you're like, all you did was put a name on a thing you don't understand. All you did was call it something. Mm-hmm. And if we can call it something and we can measure it indirectly, then somehow it's scientific. And that's fine. I, I, I agree. By the way, I think, I think that is legitimate science and I think it's wonderful. But it goes too far as to say that now you've explained something about reality. What you have uncovered is another mystery mm-hmm. that now you get to have fun to, to go and investigate. And, and one of the thinkers who I like a whole lot is, says, it's like we're in this, like God made for us this huge sandbox and playground to like dig around in and look at. You guys remember that when you were a kid? You'd mm-hmm. go in the backyard and just dig a hole and you'd, <laughs> there's some weird bug where if you blow on it, it curls up in a ball and you just explain. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, God's left us this whole Science. universe to do that with. So mm-hmm. I love, Bailey, your your conviction that we look in the universe and it just all tells us, like, who God is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's true. Go spend a day looking at pictures that the Hubble has taken. And you just go, whoa. Like, God, like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> God did that thing. Magnets, or, how do magnets, they work? <laughs> or you look, at, you look at the giant, the red spot on Jupiter. And you go, okay, that's a storm that's been raging for at least 500 years, and we really want to explain it, and yeah. we, we just can't yet. Mm. And it's just another explanation of stuff that God's doing, ultimately because he values us, right? It's, we can look at the universe and say, that thing is so huge, and, how, and I'm, I'm tiny, I'm a speck, I'm whatever. That's true in a physical sense, but in, the, in terms of value to God who made us, like that just so, shows us how much of a universe he's willing to invent and design and create and and manage and maintain the existence existence of in order to give us a world where we can know him and understand him. And, he's, mm. and so that's how I see it too, Bailey. It's like you question whether God exists, go look at the whole universe. Like the whole and what does what does scripture say about the heavens? Right? The mm-hmm. heavens declare, declare God's glory, right? No, it's okay. You why don't you read it? Uh, uh, from a Psalm of from David, yeah. the heavens declare the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Mm-hmm. So I like that. That the expanse, that yeah. the whole extent of the mm-hmm. heavens, which how big is the universe? My yeah. goodness. Um and David Declare, goes, tells of God's glorious work of yes, his hands. Yeah. And he, he goes on to say that the that the heavens pour out wisdom and knowledge. Yeah, mm-hmm. every day they pour forth speech uh-huh. and without saying a word. They're, yeah. they're, they're basically singing. Yeah, um, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So Christians, be yeah. scientists. You can glorify <laughs> and honor God with the science. With like, go. The more truth you know about God, the more you, the better you can love Him. The more mm-hmm. we understand mm-hmm. God truly, the better, the more able we are to love and appreciate and get close to Him. Do not be afraid of the sciences. If you are interested in science, go and do it well. 
Yeah, and speaking of Christian scientists, I actually have some examples that I think are really, uh, really telling. They're really yeah. revealing. The oldest example I could find from it comes from the 12th century mm-hmm. from Germany. Uh, her name is Hildegard of Bingen. I think is how you <laughs> yeah, pronounce Hildi. it. Yeah, Hildy. Yeah, Hildy, the old <laughs> Hildy. Uh, from the 12th century, she was a, a nun mm-hmm. who practiced medicine mm-hmm. in Germany and wrote uh, journals about medicine. And I. That that was the oldest example I could find mm-hmm. of a Christian scientist. But then you've got some names, uh, these names really everyone's familiar with. And uh, interestingly enough, if you're a scientist, you have to be familiar with these names. Yeah. Robert Boyle yep. plays Pascal. Mm-hmm. Isaac Newton mm-hmm. all believed in God, all believed in the Bible as the word of God. They, they were Christians. But they came up uh, and discovered things that are foundational to the way that everyone mm-hmm. understands science. Mm-hmm. Well, the laws the of motion. Yes. Pascal's law. Right. The Boyle's law. Like, yeah. my goodness. Uh, there, there's a multitude. There are so many yeah. names. And there are plenty of uh, people who, of brilliant scientists who don't believe in God. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you can't just dismiss, you can't say we've learned science and therefore we don't need God anymore. That's not what any of these people thought they were up to. Isaac Newton, right? When he, when he was formulating, uh, when he was formulating the, his uh, systematizing gravity, like he mm. named gravity, and it's yeah. named gravity because of how <laughs> how heavy it is. Dun, dun, dun. Because what a heavy what a heavy burden <clears throat> it is to uh, because he's understanding this thing about God's creation that no one has understood before. Mm, and so yeah. they never they never said, well, we're answering how questions. They're going, we're answering how questions, yeah. and it's giving us insight about the why questions. Right. They didn't just say flush the why question. Well, I guess they weren't flushing. Throw the why <laughs> questions into the into the pot <laughs> or into the chamber pot or whatever. They didn't uh, they didn't get rid of them. And by the way, that lineage of Christian scientists continues into the into the modern age including now so very brilliant scientists now several of whom i am um i am honored to count among my friends i don't know if they count me among their friends but I, <laughs> i'm glad to put them on my list um but even up to like so we have lemaitre who helped einstein like do the math to understand uh to understand relativity as that as that evolved like einstein couldn't have given and that would change the way that everybody understood the universe as he came out with special and, and general theories of relativity, like that couldn't have happened without a priest who was doing, who was working because he believes that um, he's investigating God's world. I think it was Lewis who said something like, "We look at the universe and we expect uh, we expect law in nature." And the, did you get? You get what that I have it right here. And the reason we expect law in nature is because we expect there to be a legislator. Is yeah. that close? That's Yeah, men became scientific yeah, because go. they expected law in nature, and they expected law in nature because they believed in a legislator. Right. I think that's about the best way to put well, it. Well, think about <laughs> it. There, there's no reason to believe on its face that today is going to be the same as tomorrow or that experiments should sure. be regular or that you should measure the speed of light and every day it's the same or the weak nuclear force or the strong force. or the right. There's there's no reason to believe you have th- that that there, there, there's no constraint. There's no logical constraint that would mean the world has to be regular the way that it is. And that's why people, even Einstein, mm. said that we look into the, like mathematics is the mind of God. Mm. Like we look into the mind of God as we understand better the things that, the things that he has built. And it gives us, from my, in my estimation, more and more reason to believe in God. And again, Lennox, my boy. <laughs> I can say that. I shook his hand one time. That's right. We both, on yeah, the same right. day. On yeah. the same day. I shook, his uh, hand, I shook his hand one time. But he makes the point that um, I don't retreat and say something like, no, God must exist because we can't explain these things about the world. I don't, I don't say that God is real 
because of what we don't understand, but because of what we do. Mm. And you look at the world and because, because people are scientific and have minds of engineering and we see machines and we understand how systems work, that the more we investigate the world, we go, this is the result of a, an unimaginable intelligence and power. And it tells us more what he's like. And it reveals not just his, what, is, uh, what does Paul say, right, in mm-hmm. Romans? It says that, that we, that, that we uh, let me, I'll paraphrase. Hey, you want to read it again? Did you, did you write that one down too? <laughs> uh, that's the verse uh, for Bailey to reflect on for the prayer. Oh, okay. <laughs> for his, uh, uh, his invisible attributes yeah. and power are revealed in the things that are made. Yep. That's namely, Romans 120. Namely, his eternal power in Godhead. Yeah. And yeah. So we know, we know God's power and we know, and we can learn about his nature just by, just by carefully observing the world around us. And it's amazing. Mm. I think that's as good a place as any to yeah. uh, land. Can I add one thing? No. Please do. Um, <laughs> Never mind. Yes, um, add something. <laughs> so I think just like um, keeping in view, like we just talked about the gospel mm-hmm. um, and like the four pillars of the gospel. Um, and then like we see that, or we recognize that um, science is a common like blockade or mm-hmm. roadblock Hang up, yeah. to mm-hmm. getting the gospel to be clear to someone's ears or heart. Um, just like realize that it's not a roadblock at all. Yeah. Like this, <laughs> yeah. we couldn't shut up for a whole hour mm. just because science isn't a roadblock. Like the world sees Christian faith and reason as foolishness. Right. And we see the world's reason as foolishness. But like science is a tool that we have as Christians mm-hmm. to meet the world yeah. on terms that they can speak in and understand. Mm. Um, and instead of science being a roadblock, like, or a barrier between mm-hmm. um, someone hearing the gospel and not hearing the gospel. Science instead can be a thing that we turn to um, something their ears understand mm-hmm. and a way that they can understand the gospel yeah, better. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, I, have, I have more to say, but I <laughs> won't add anything to that. Yeah, so good. Well, and many Christian scientists uh, who are alive today, including Cam's wife, Whitney, mm-hmm. um, and some examples I know of, like Seigart mm-hmm. uh, is, is a great one. Um, All my boys at Reason to Believe. Right. Uh, Hugh Ross as yep. well. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. Fuzz Rana, Jeff Zwerink, the yeah. rest of the team. My uh, boys. Can attest to all that. And <laughs> yeah. so... I think that's awesome. I do want to read something uh, from a worship song that I know uh, touches all of our hearts. We actually played it uh, at this church, mm-hmm. um, and this uh, this is not obvi- this is a worship song. It's not Bible, but it is um, based on biblical ideas. Surely, uh, O oh Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all of the worlds Thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, Thy power throughout the universe displayed mm. and then sings my soul, my savior, God to thee, how great thou art. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I think that's wonderful. I, I hope uh, anybody watching uh, enjoyed this conversation as mm. much as I did and got to maybe learn how uh, we think about some of these issues and how we might approach it in an evangelistic conversation and mm. address some of the issues with thinking that science and faith are opposed to one another. Mm-hmm. So we hope you uh, benefited from this and we'll see you again next week when we tackle the problem of evil. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to Word First Radio. If you like the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. If you want to learn more about Word First and how you can support the ministry spiritually and financially, check us out at wordfirst.us. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Word First Radio, and we'll see you again next week. God bless. God bless.